The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. I'm telling you, we need a theme song. If there's any way we can work on that, let's make it happen. Good evening, everybody, or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to us on demand. My name is Harry Broadhurst, and welcome into the kickoff week four here on the W2M Network in association with W2Mnet.com. Joining me, as per usual, my co-host, Stephen Err. Good evening slash afternoon, everybody. Once again, filling in this week is our executive producer, Eric Watkins. Hello, hello, everyone. The dulcet tones cannot be tamed. (laughs) And the man on the ones and twos for us, the head man for the W2M Network, Sean Garmer. (laughs) (laughs) These dulcet tones have been doing significantly less talking because there was an issue with the SmackDown and 205 Live. So I'm freshly faced and bushy-tailed and ready to get into this week's episode of the kickoff. Gentlemen, we open as we always do with studs and duds. All right, so Brandon couldn't be here this week. He had a – unfortunately, he's a little under the weather, so he will not be joining us for this one. But he did send in his fill-ins for all of the particular topics that we discuss on a weekly basis here. So he wanted to announce first that his stud for the week was Tom Brady, and given that performance against New Orleans, can you really blame him? Right. Eric, who's your stud for the week? You know, I had a couple of different ideas for my stud. But I'm going to go a little bit unconventional for this one. To those of you that witnessed the, well, intriguing game on Sunday night, you will notice Devontae Freeman's touchdown celebration, shooting the ball into the basket, draining a three-step Curry style. My stud is the producer that had the wherewithal as the network was going to break, play the NBA on NBC theme from back in the day. And that's just perfect timing and an aura of nostalgia. I, I, I'm sorry, you don't see that often in a football game. That That is still my favorite theme song, I think, of, of all time. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Steven, stud, hit me. My start of the week is Mason Rudolph, quarterback from Oklahoma State. He got through four touchdown passes in the first half. I believe he finished with five against Pitt. The game was so bad that Oklahoma State blew out Pitt. I remember the final score, but it was so bad. At halftime, Pitt said, whoever stayed for this game, the majority for the entire game, would get a free beverage. That is sad marking, ladies and gentlemen. 59-21 to is your answer, Oklahoma State. There you go. My stud is going to be Kelly Bryant. And the reason I say this is because, oh, no, Clemson's doomed. Clemson's doomed now that Deshaun Watson is gone. What is Clemson going to do without their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback running the team? Yeah, they're still 13th overall in national offense. Yeah, they're 3-0 after blowing out a admittedly overhyped Louisville team. Yeah, they're still in the thick of the national title picture, and you can make the argument that they're the favorites 
in the ACC Atlantic at this point. And Kelly, Bryant, and Kelly Bryant is the reason why. We'll talk more about Clemson and Kelly Bryant specifically a little bit later on in the show. Eric, who was your dud for this week? You know, yes, statistically, my dud had a decent game. Yes, there was one fantastic play that my dud made, but I'm sorry. I got to take a moment and call out Sam Darnold because, yes, you got a whole 10 years of hype with the rematch USC-Texas, but you're at home, and lest we forget, this was a Texas team that lost to Maryland. While it was great that it was close and needed double overtime, Sam, uh, you could have done a lot better than that, especially against that kind of a defense. I'm sorry. You didn't do it for me this week. It was still a fun game, I thought. Um, It was a fantastic game. Don't get me wrong. It shouldn't have been. I think what I've realized with Sam Donald, though, is I think he needs those. He's the kind of guy that, I'm not going to do so hot in the first three quarters or whatever, but when the game is on the line, you're going to count on me. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what matters. Oh, God. Yeah, but based based on the talent of the two teams, this game should not have been that close going into the fourth quarter, let alone having gone to overtime at all. But anyway, uh, Brandon's pick for this week's dud was Ezekiel Elliott, who ran for eight yards against... against the Denver defense. We'll talk more about this game here in a little bit because there are a couple of things to say here. But to put to put, to put Ezekiel Elliott's performance into perspective on Sunday, there were seven quarterbacks who had more rushing yards than Zeke did. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. <Ow. laughs> Steven, even um, the dog thinks Zeke had a bad day. That's yeah, saying it, something. It was, it was pretty sad seeing Zeke carry for nine yards, for eight yards. I mean, nine times for eight yards, so it was just, oh, God, no. But uh, before, before I give my dud, I have to give credit to Eric because I've been saying the same thing about Sam Darnold all offseason. You guys are overrated. Uh, forget the U.S. Forget the Texas game. Let's look at the whole season. He has six touchdowns. Oh, that's great. He also has six picks. Let's, let's calm it down there. And uh, to, to talk about what Eric said about the whole Texas losing to Maryland thing, Maryland looks really good. Have you seen the new quarterback? I am I am falling for Maryland right now. I cannot wait until they play Ohio State in a couple of weeks. That's going to be fun. My dud, and Harry's going to love this, <laughs> the Tennessee Volunteers defense. How do you give up a touchdown? First of all, the play that was a Philippe Franks was about to get sacked. He gets out of there, and then he chucks the ball 63 yards to a pretty much wide open. Uh, I forget to forget his first name. His last name was Cleveland. Tyree, Tyree Cleveland is pretty much open. Like there's the guy behind him is like two yards away, and bam, Florida pull, uh, pulls off the upset in hail mary fashion. I'm about ninety percent sure Albert the Gator was playing better defense than that Tennessee safety. <laughs> it was bad, but as a Florida fan, it was glorious. <laughs> okay, 
now now I want a sound effect bank so that way I can hit the Robert Reed glorious sound effect right here. All right. Anyways, um, my dud is the New Orleans defense, and it has everything to do with uh, touchdown Tom Brady's performance. You know, everybody in New Orleans kept saying, oh, this is all Rob Ryan's fault. He is the reason that our defense is garbage. Once we get rid of him, we'll be back. Um, nope. Still still next to last in almost every major defensive category. New Orleans still at the bottom, still allowing a team like New England. I mean, granted, New England has a ton of weapons, but still allowing New England to hang almost 40 on you. Not getting any better in the secondary, not getting any better on the line. Now, I'm about to contradict myself a little bit later on in the show, and you'll find out what I mean by that when we get to our predictions. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, boy. Dramatic reverb. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny that you bring up the Saints defense, Harry, because I believe Eric's stud was actually Tom Brady. I'm I'm holding off on the Patriots for now because they did lose to the Chiefs. The the Chiefs mean business. We've seen that now. And everyone's like, oh, the Patriots are back. Oh, great. They're going to Super Bowl. They beat the Saints. Where's defense in the league? I want to see how they do against Houston week three. Then I'll have something to say about New England. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what kind of performance J.J. Watt can put against New England. Um, While we're talking about J.J. Watt, I want to give props to J.J. as well for the way that he closed that Thursday night football game. Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. What a hit. (laughs) (laughs) He straight up Goldberg'd him. I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, that that's this is why when you goes to the whole hook and lateral, never catch it if you're a lineman. Just get out of the way. Get out of the way. It never ends well. And especially not with number ninety nine for the Texans bearing down on your ass. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I feel like at the end of the year we get a montage of the NFL's biggest plays that has to be like front and center for a week too. <laughs> All right. So that's studs and duds for this week. Guys, we now move on. So that happened. And I think the biggest talking point here, we kind of touched on it with um, Brandon's dud of Ezekiel Elliott here is the fact that Dallas went out to Denver to play the Broncos and laid a proverbial massive egg. Steven, you're a Cowboys fan. Go ahead and defend your team's performance. All right. So uh, I remember telling my friends when I saw them back in August, and August, there was no way we were losing to Trevor Simeon. And what did they do? They love the Dallas defense allows Trevor Simeon to throw four touchdown passes. That was the reason. And Zeke carrying nine yards, nine times for eight yards. That's the big egg. And a lot of people are saying how Dak got, Dak Prescott got exposed. No, he didn't. He threw two picks. One was a tip pass. One was just garbage time. Ends on interception. That should have never been a pick in the first place. Uh, Akib Talib begs to differ with that assessment. Oh, I'm sure he does. But for those saying that Dak got exposed, no, he didn't. I mean, Cowboys are going to bounce back from next Monday night. They're going to go to Arizona, and they're going to – be eating some bird. You know, it's weird though, given the performance by Dallas there and everybody, how everybody was always on the, I was already on the Cowboy bandwagon after the way they performed against the Giants in week one. Do you think that this is a more realistic expectation of a Dallas team that is more likely to go 10 and 6 than 12 and 4? Yeah, I mean, I, I said this before the season as well that the Dallas defense is not going to be the same as they were last year. I mean, JJ Wilcox is in Pittsburgh. 
Morris Claiborne's with the Jets, Bernie Carr's with the Ravens, Barry Church's with the Jaguars. I mean, we lost so much key players. The big guy we have now, Orlando Skandrick, I believe Sean, I believe him, said he broke his hand. That's, I mean, he's going to be out a couple weeks. So it's, it's the defense is what's going to drag us down here this season. Uh, Skandrick might already play on Monday, but oh, well. we'll see. It, we trust it, I think it's more indicative of not every team also has what Denver has on defense, let's be honest. Sure. Uh, yeah. Not even Arizona with Patrick Peterson. They don't have the other. They have Matthew, and I think he could do fine against the Cole Beasley and whatever. But Arizona's going to have problems dealing with Zeke. Everybody's going to try to go with that blueprint, but not everybody's going to be able to. It's I, it, the, the Cowboys needed that shell shock so that Garrett now knows what to do when a team shuts Zeke down. How do I change the passing game plan? So that it's, uh, I'm not having Dak throw 50 times, but also understanding that you can't just continue with the same passing routes and everything that you do normally. You have to, you have to change it up. Well, speaking of teams getting shell shocked and being knocked back down to reality, Eric, <laughs> let's, uh-huh. let's let's talk about your Jaguars, shall we? Jaguars. As they were absolutely victimized by the Tennessee Titans this past <laughs> Sunday. I called it, I called it, I called it. And um, I'm not going to get on the team so much now, but fans, I've got a special message to you later on in the show. Because all the hype was, oh, Calais Campbell, three sacks. Oh, look at what we did to Houston. Oh, we knocked out Tom Savage. <laughs> I was like, it's one game. I've seen this before. Blake Bortles did not get any better. And we're actually facing a very decent, above competent quarterback. And, oh, by the way, I, I think one of their running backs just scored again. That, that That's under review right now. Just dear Jesus. I, I will say this much. Tom Savage is definitely no Marcus Mariota. No, not not, not the slightest. Like, oh, All right, so so when Steve when Stephen was talking about the Dallas defense, he mentioned the injury to Orlando Scandrick. I think injuries are a big factor in the NFL season thus far, and the two major injuries to come out a week two actually came in the game for my team, Buffalo. But neither of them were for Bills because let's be honest, the only Buffalo Bill in the top fifty players in the NFL right now is Lashawn McCoy. And if we don't get an offensive line with any kind of cohesion, he ain't going to be in the top fifty for much for this season. I am referring to Cal- to Panthers quarterback Cam Newton and their tight end, Greg Olson. Newton's less severe. It's an ankle. Odds are he'll probably play this weekend. Greg Olson's out for six to eight, six to eight weeks. How do you guys think this affects Carolina losing their, tar- their key target tight end? Considering how Cam Newton, which... Again, I have to give the Bills defense some credit. They made him run around a lot. And until Kelvin Benjamin gets back in the swing of things, Devin Funchess, they're clearly not on the same page or they weren't anywhere near as where they were in San Francisco. So having that reliable, not just size-wise, but just dependable, shorter routes, really helps if you have to go dink and dunk a guy like Greg Olson. 
Him breaking his foot, ugh, that hurts. That hurts big time. Uh, Cam Newton, you take that take away the 2015 season. Cam Newton, Cam always been mediocre. He's like Kirk Cousins. His top his top target is his tight end. I mean, you can you can give credit to Calvin Benjamin. He's pretty good, but he doesn't get the ball as much as Olsen does. Now that Olsen's out six to eight weeks, Calvin Benjamin has to step up, and Devin Funches definitely has to step up here. But it's all going to depend on how Cam Newton plays. If he gets them the ball, that's going to be key. My- I think there's another person that's going to have to step up as well, and that would be their running back, Jonathan Stewart. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I said towards the beginning of the season, I believe on the season preview show, McCaffrey's going to not even so much have to be one of those guys, although I think that's changed, but I had him tapped to be a 600-600 player as a rookie. 600 yards rushing, 600 yards receiving. If this keeps up, I'm going to have to revise those totals one way or another. Because yeah, have to... Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, he's going to have to be an even bigger feature than I think the team wanted. Yeah, they're going to have to just change it up a bit more. They have Curtis Samuel as well from Ohio State. They're going to have to just right. use him and uh, McCaffrey more in the passing game and just... They may not be able to run as much as they wanted to because Greg Olson kind of allows you to, when you play that play action, he can not only go out there for the short routes, but he can go out there for the longer ones. And obviously, like you guys said, it's his favorite target. But I think they'll manage. we got to remember that defense a lot better this year than last year. All right, let's talk records for this week, gentlemen. And the big record set this week in the NFL is that of Antonio Gates of the now Los Angeles Chargers. He is now the all-time career leader in touchdown receptions by a tight end. Your guys' thoughts on this? I was lucky enough to be watching Red Zone right at the moment that he scored. I mean, it's... For a guy like him, for a team that, unfortunately, the playoffs hasn't contended much, I mean, just coming out of nowhere in terms of football, great player, great person, has really been an anchor of that offense alongside Phillip Rivers. I mean, congratulations to him. Yeah, all you got to say is congratulations to Antonio Gates. Broke uh, Tony Gonzalez's old record of touchdowns by a tight end. I still, I still do believe that Tony Gonzalez was a better tight end than Antonio Gates, but with his, with this kind of performance that he's had over his career, I would, uh, no doubt, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. I don't think there's any question that uh, that Antonio Gates is going to be in the tight, in the Hall of Fame, and you can make the argument that Gates is a first ballot Hall of Famer as well, especially at a at a position as specialized as tight end is. Yeah. I completely agree, and I mean, definitely make a case for first ballot, but if we're talking locks, I don't think he stays on the ballot more than three years. No, I would say at least three years. I'm with Eric. All right, let's talk about the other major development in the national broadcast game. I was the first one to say that I did not think the Atlanta Falcons were going to make the playoffs this year. That performance against Green Bay made me think otherwise here. Eric, are the Falcons for real? Oh, I'm leaning towards yes. 
But I'm not going to say a full yes for two reasons. Number one, they've still got a little bit to shake off, especially defensively. They were a little bit skittish in giving up those last couple of touchdowns to the Packers towards the end of the game. Yes, it was in hand, but at halftime, the Super Bowl should have been as well. Look what happened. Now, they beat a Bears team on the last couple of plays of the game, a big fourth down sack. Look at what the Bears did in Tampa Bay. And against Green Bay, yes, you've owned them three straight times now. You put up some phenomenal numbers. You still have the magic of Mercedes-Benz. You're not going to be able to rely on that all season. If, and I'm going to put a definite date on this, if they at least show a glimpse of hope and keep it close, Sunday night, week seven, in the rematch, by then I can definitely say they're for real. But for now, jury's still out. Yeah, I'm with Eric here. I don't know if they are real or not. I mean, I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the NFC South this year. Yeah, they they didn't play the first game due to Irma, and they beat the Bears. So there's nothing to say there. But Atlanta almost lost to the Bears, and then yeah, you can make the argument they beat Aaron Rodgers and the tough Green Bay offense. Yeah, but they beat like Eric said three times in a row now. So it's like. That's the one team that the Falcons have the bear, the Packers number. What about everybody else? We don't know yet. I still think that the Suffer Super Bowl hangover, and I don't see playoffs for the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm going to say that through two weeks, they are real. But by the end of the season, they won't be. Not to mention this was a Packers team that was without Jordy Nelson for a majority of that game on Sunday night and without Randall Cobb for most of the second half as well. Can't forget that. Yeah, that makes this a was an, difference. This was an undermanned Green Bay Packers team. If I think Aaron Rodgers has his full complement of weapons, this game's a lot closer than what it ends up playing out. Absolutely. All right. Um, do you guys have any other stories to touch on of importance before I get to our silly story of the week? I'm good. Uh, oh, shoot. Because I want to remember his name. The lineman for the Cleveland Browns who played as thousands. Joe Thomas. Yes, Joe Thomas. 10,000 consecutive snaps. With the Browns, let it be said. (laughs) Yes, uh, that's like, wow. I don't know. That's that's like 20,000 with a normal team. Exactly. I mean, credit to him for the longevity. I wonder if he's a secret masochist, and we don't know about that, but it just, just um, cools all together. <laughs> well, playing in Cleveland, you kind of have to be. I'm, I'm, an, I'm about an hour outside of the mistake on the lake up here, trust me. This fan base is not easy to deal with most of the time, so for Thomas to be able to be as consistent and as durable as he has been is nothing short of impressive. I think I read something that if he retired today, he could go into the Hall of Fame and he'd have the lowest winning percentage of anybody that's in there. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) Makes sense. 
I saw a stat. Uh, the Indians, I know this is baseball. The Indians had won 22 games in a row in their streak to set the AL record. The Browns, yep. had, won tw- the Browns had won 20 games in the last five years. Oh, God. <laughs> Woo. That, to be fair, they much... play a lot more baseball games. Okay, yeah. but this was 22 consecutive wins by, wins by the Indians. Sean, make note of these stats whenever I talk about Minnesota next time, okay? Just okay. just <laughs> this in mind. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, gentlemen, shall we get shall we get to our silly story of the week? Bring it on. Yes. All right. So, so last week, last week Eric it was 3rd and 93. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. This week, it's something similar that you never, ever hear in college football. Walk off pick six. On a flea flicker. Huh? Uh, explain yourself, good sir. <laughs> so, Incarnate Word is visiting Stephen F. Austin of the football championship subdivision, the FCS, formerly known as 1AA. The game is tied at 31 with about 14 seconds left when the ball is snapped. The quarterback for Incarnate Word hands it off to the running back, who tosses it back to the quarterback, who proceeds to throw a bomb into triple coverage. Uh Uh-oh. It is picked off by Stephen F. Austin safety Alizé Ward and returned 70 yards as time expires for a walk-off 37-31 Lumberjacks win. Eric, in what universe do you try a flea flicker on the road tied at 31 with 14 seconds left? Um, let's see. I'd have to wonder what Earth the Flash would be on maybe earth (laughs) five earth's 12 i don't know but it ain't this one i mean i get it like a friend of mine told me when we were listening to the marshall western kentucky game for a couple of years ago you don't lose if you heave it and this was not long after the infamous iron bowl kick six but just there there are just some things that you don't do, and how Incarnate Word even has a football team to begin with, especially after hearing this, I, I'm flat out astounded. I just, oh, this, there's, there's just, somebody should have gotten fucked for that idea. <laughs> obviously, Incarnate Word did not pray hard enough. <laughs> Steven... What the hell? I mean, you said it was a tie game, right? 31-31. Yeah, I don't know why you... Well, first of all, why would you on the triple coverage? Like, what sense does that make? And the, the fact that you're throwing it in a tie game with little time left in the first place is also pretty dumb. I'm going in, I'm going for overtime and a possible victory with just a field goal. And instead, uh, losing on that, that's just... just just sad. You gotta... The coach has to rethink his play calling skills. Well, I mean, I mean that's if why he's coaching think... for Incarnate Word, right? <laughs> yeah, we all if, 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 
all just sit and think about it, don't we really know that God is secretly a Gators fan anyways? I mean, come on. The oh, Hail God. Mary, don't Tim Don't give G- Harry any more ammunition. <laughs> uh, all, all I have to say, all I have to say to that, Eric, is Hail Mary full of Franks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. They me to do it, but what, I mean... Are they Nathan's heavy. Franks, too? Uh, no, they don't sponsor us. The, the cheesy joke is possibly brought to you by Kraft. And, Stephen, <laughs> we, go- we are going to find an Oreo sponsor just to piss you off. Oh, Good God. <laughs> I, I was actually going to try to see if a Sargento could hook us up for this week's cheesy joke of the day, but uh, Man, no, they're, that's, they're, that's really expensive. That's, <laughs> not not to mention they're in the middle of a recall right now. I don't think we want any part of that. No. Oh, never mind then. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was your news for the week. That was so that happened. And that takes us into buy and sell. Now, the guys have an idea as far as the topics that I'm going to broach with this, but they don't know what the actual question is. Um, Eric, I'm kicking off to you here. Do you want college pro or the mixed question? I'll take the mixed question. Buy or sell. It is getting to the point where football, both NCAA and college, have got to do something about the amount of injuries and deaths as a result of this sport. I have mentioned on my past podcasts of my own point of viewer about what football can do to really help itself. And especially after hearing the tragic news of the death essentially on the field or through just tackling... I'm going to have to buy this. It, I give all kinds of credit to the different studies about CTE, the increase of awareness, the heads up program going from youth football all the way through the upper levels, the helmet technology, but unfortunately it's not enough. Now, call me crazy, but you're crazy. Well, they're well. At least wait before you call me crazy. But it's—if anybody knows me, they know that I've got radical ideas. Now, there is a very little-known league that is up Baltimore in the New York, New Jersey area, called the A7FL. Tackle football, just about a full-size field, seven on seven, no helmets. No pads. But again, full contact. They teach proper tackling techniques like they do in rugby. And it's actually a pretty cool league. Now, there was another league that was supposed to play, and I was actually proud to say that I was investor of. The A11FL. That one was centered around the idea that potentially all 11 players could be eligible receivers. You line up in a little loophole of about a punt formation. You have five guys designated as linemen. Everybody else is fair game. It's based off of the A11 offense, which originated in California. My idea, and I put this out into the universe a long time ago, if you could make that A11 offense legal or create the A11 league, 
just helmetless and padless teaching better tackling techniques like in the A7FL, this is a league that could be very fiercely competitive and that could draw fans right away, especially with these safety concerns. Granted, you're never going to completely eliminate injuries even if you do this, but it's a the most significant step that football as a sport can take, especially now. Before Stephen responds with his answer to the buy or sell question here, I want to point out the fact that you mentioned rugby as part of your study there. And I want to say that I think that the difference between football and rugby is that the rugby players know that they don't have the padding and the protection that football players traditionally have, so they know Mm -hmm. not to try to hit as hard as the NFL players might try to hit knowing that they have the padding on. I think that the padding in some cases provides a false sense of security for these players and in the end almost ends up being somewhat involved in their downfall. Stephen, buy or sell. The, uh, The NFL and college football have to do something in order to find ways to make this game safer. Oh, I have to buy that because there are I mean, players are getting hurt all the time, and and this goes beyond the NFL. I mean, there are high school kids dying due to tackling issues and all this other stuff. Because players like Jim McMahon, not Jim McMahon, uh, what's his name? The quarterback for the 1985 Bears suffers from Alzheimer's Jim now McMahon. because of yeah, yeah that and, was McMahon. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, was Jim thinking, McMahon. I was thinking, I was thinking Jim McMahon was a wrestler, but anyway, Shane. <laughs> Anyway, so Jim McMahon suffers from Alzheimer's and CTE issues due to the fact that he got hammered as a Bears quarterback in the 80s, including the 85 season. So things like this are going to keep happening. It's happened to many other players. There's one guy from the Chiefs. He killed himself due to the injuries he had a couple years ago. This is not okay. It's not okay at all. This, something needs to be done, both college and in the NFL, or... We like Sean said in our group chat. This could be the end of football as we know it in a couple of years. I, I just think I saw gonna wind up playing flag football. Yeah, I was just gonna... about to say that. Yeah. I, I was just about to say that somebody else mentioned the fact that it could end up turning into flag football. And while I, and while I understand the potential desire for such a thing, I think the physicality is what dra- is what drags in the casual viewer. Like. Fans want to see those big hits, like that hit that J.J. Watt put on the center for Cincinnati. But at the same time, that was a perfect form tackle. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas you have other players who will try to do that same tackle that J.J. used on Thursday Night Football last week and lead with the crown of their helmet and end up concussed or worse. Exactly, and that's why I say leagues like the A7, who were very unheralded, but... They preach proper tackling techniques because, as you said perfectly, like in rugby, they know they don't have the helmets or the pads, so they don't go in as hard, but you still see those great tackles that draw you in. I challenge both my co-host and Sean as producer and even the viewers out there, go look them up on YouTube and you will be very surprised. Now, while... Flag football could be, at the very least, a huge beneficiary of this, especially since you have the professional flag football league started, have a great test game, and having a nationwide tournament next year. I don't think the jump from what we know now to flag football 
will be as quick. I think there's going to be some sort of happy medium somehow. Yeah, I just I just wonder about the it being the same thing once you do that, right? I think like you said Eric, the large a lot of people the draw is the violence, the hard hits, the great plays, but I think a lot of it is having that helmet on and knowing that you're playing football with those pads on everything. I think once you take that away and it's sort of like, oh, you're playing backyard football in a stadium. I don't know if that allure is still there for people. And I think that's where you might have people get scared of saying that we really want to change it too much. Yeah, and I mean, just like going from the evolution from leather helmets to the helmets that you see today, that took multiple decades. So I do agree with you, but just like it took baby steps for us to get here now, it will take baby steps for this next level of evolution in the game. My only thought process to that, though, is how many more people have to die before they officially get serious about doing this. Because we just saw the story about the 19-year-old college student who died on the field from an improper tackle. It, All right, it, it, move. It's extremely sad, and you're right. And at this point, unfortunately, who knows? I, you are going to have right. a lot of people not playing this in the youth ranks, I think, as time goes on. I think I'd, if I had a son, I have a daughter, so I don't have to worry about it. But if I had a son, I think I would push him to play something else. It's not football. Or at the very, or at the very least, encourage him to be involved with a league that had active kind of restraints in regards to how hard they could play against each other at what sizes too. Because a lot of times it has a lot to do with the size disparity as well. This is a conversation we could have for the rest of the show, but unfortunately we have other things that we have to get to. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Steven, college or NFL? Yeah, it's funny that you bring this up. I talked about this on the SU show last night. College football is the king of – I know Eric's probably like, oh, what about Reno? College football is the king of football at this point. I mean, you have – and I talked about this last night. You have 39 bowl games not to Friday for four weeks. And then in the NFL, you have Tom Brady clinching the AFC East by Thanksgiving. So which one are you more excited to watch? N- not the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you ask college to... NFL, and you just yeah. Do you want the college topic or the NFL topic? <laughs> oh, oh god! Wow, about to... this is the first time I blew something up on a radio on a podcast. Anyway, <laughs> give me give it a good. <laughs> well, this is quality know, good... quality entertainment here, ladies and gentlemen. Good thing <laughs> that uh, you know. You're, the other co-host is out here. He couldn't find out you said his name wrong. The, uh, you know, yesterday. So oh, yeah, yesterday's show was pretty bad. Let's give me the college question. <laughs> I'm gonna need to stop laughing first. So I'm gonna need a second. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> no, this is the worst. This is the worst. Buy, buy or sell with Kelly Bryant's performance in the first two in the first three games of their season. Clemson is a legitimate national title contender. Oh, absolutely buying that because, you know, I believe, Harry, you're the one that said it. Uh, Louisville is over heights, possibly. I mean, they have Lamar Jackson. The guy's a super, superstar. But who do they have outside of that? Nobody. They don't have anybody on that team. 
so Kelly, the fact that Kelly Bryant went into Louisville and knocked off Lamar Jackson, that says a lot about Clemson. Uh, they are definitely a national title contender. I feel like they're going to win the ACC the way I see things now. Of course, the Canes will play one game against Bethune-Cookman. We'll get to them a little later as well. But I feel Ooh, like Clemson-Miami would be a very – especially, Eric, you remember this from when we covered Miami sports back in 2015, that Miami-Clemson game on Halloween when Clemson won 58 nothing. Just imagine go the hype going into the ACC title game this year. Should have been Clemson against really Miami. To, did you really have to bring that up? <laughs> Seriously, I have gotten closure for that, Stephen. Thank you very much. <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have to get Eric his medication to deal with this. Uh, that's okay. My medication is right in the fridge, both lemon and mango flavored Moscato, so I'm good to go. <laughs> nice. Uh, my other suggestion: Oreos. Always oh Oreos. God. Oh, hey, God. I still got some <laughs> oh, so that's a very nice after-dinner dessert. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, Disco, we're here if you want to sponsor the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, this won't hook me up. Nabisco, it's on you. <laughs> uh, Eric, the same question. The same question to you. Buy or sell Clemson as a legitimate national title contender after the first three games due to Kelly Bryant's performance? I absolutely buy, and not just for what he was able to do with that offense against Louisville. I mean, focusing on the ACC for the W2M Network Top 25, I said the first week against their cupcake, they proved that they could win big. Then the second week against a what was still a very stout Auburn defense, who scored the clinching touchdown on a short run? Kelly Bryant. They proved that they can win ugly. Now that they proved that they could win really against their bigger rivals. I mean, Florida State, without DeAndre Francois, time will tell. But I don't think they're going to make anywhere near as much noise. Louisville, they just eliminated themselves from the conversation. Not only is Clemson one of my contenders for the ACC, a contender for a national championship, and... Uh, Kelly Bryant might start to make a little uh, introduction into the Heisman conversation. You know, I was just going to mention that, that I feel like Kelly Bryant may have established himself as possibly the second leading contender to the Heisman right behind Baker Mayfield at the present moment. It, it, absolutely, because when it comes to the Heisman, you'll focus on three games. Your last game your rivalry game, and your big game. For this Clemson-Louisville, this was Kelly Bryant's big game. He crushed it. I disagree with that. I think the Florida State game is bigger, in my opinion, because I think pretty much everybody believes that Florida State's going to be the better team in the ACC this year. That being really? said for him, that being well, said for him to— we, have, we still have yet to see what their backup quarterback's going to do before we say that. Really? But... Yeah. Obviously, the game would have been bigger had Francois not ripped pretty much every tendon in his knee. Absolutely. But I, I still feel like since all the hype was on Florida State coming into the season, we're going to have to see what Clemson does against Florida State, regardless of going to Louisville and hanging 47 on the Cardinals in their home. I mean, we'll see because 
Uh, you know, look at the surrounding hype with this one. Top 15 matchup, Ryan, Lamar Jackson, blah, blah, blah. I think you even said this yourself. Without Francois, that game loses a lot of luster. But again, I completely we'll agree. I, like I just said, I completely agree with that assessment. But as Sean said, we haven't seen what Florida State's capable of with their backup quarterback. Hey, Sean. Yeah. I'm going to kick off to you on the NFL question here because each of them got to lead off with one, and then I'll get their thoughts on this. Buy or sell? Matthew Stafford is worth the money the Lions just paid him. He was worth the money before this year. I I think, what, 25 fourth-quarter comebacks in the time that he's been there. The team has done well. It's not his fault. They haven't had a running game until this year. you got to remember Abdullah's been injured. And then before that, it was like... How, who the hell do we have back there? I mean, the defense has been getting better every year. This year, I think they finally got it all together. And I think Jim Bob Cooter finally figured out you can't just throw the ball everywhere. You have to be able to run as well. And I think the Giants are a little bit of an anomaly. Let's see what happens this week. But Matthew Stafford was worth the money before, and he's certainly proven it this year. You even hold him to 122 yards passing. He can He can still run the ball and do enough to, to keep that team going. Eric, buy or sell, Matthew Safford is worth the money that the Lions are paying him. I absolutely buy. I mean, go back to the day to where Barry Sanders was the king of Detroit. Look at some of the quarterbacks that they had. Your Scott Mitchell, a Rodney Pete, who led them to the playoffs. So he was the big piece in he was around, he would be getting this kind of money because he helped stabilize that team. Now, it's on Stafford's shoulders. Not just the 25 fourth quarter comebacks aside, look at how consistently Detroit has contended. Granted, they only still have the one playoff win since their 1957 championship, but look at how consistently they've contended. They're gone from the days to where the late William C. Ford would give everybody on the team a new car if they go 7-9. and nine. Expectations are higher, performance is better, and he has been a gigantic piece of the puzzle as to why they paid the man. All right, to, to be fair, in regards to their uh, regular contender for the postseason, despite only having the one postseason victory... Yeah, tell that to Cincinnati fans with Andy Dalton. I don't think the yeah. Cincinnati fan I don't think the Cincinnati fans will think that Andy Dalton's worth the money that the, the Lions just gave Matthew Stafford. No, because they had Boomer Esiason and lest we forget the Bengals have been to two Super Bowls in their history. They've seen better. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Steven, you're the last one to comment on this buy or sell. Matthew Stafford is worth the money the Lions are paying him. Oh, I buy that 100%. Matthew Stafford is the Tom Brady of the NFC. He turned a very, very bad franchise around 360 degrees. They went for, like a, like Eric said, they had, what, one playoff win in, how long has it been? 60 years now? One mm-hmm. playoff win. Since then, nothing but mediocrity, including that 2008-0-16 season with Scott, uh, Dan Orlovsky running out of the end zone against the Vikings. And then the next year, Matt Stafford has him 
a much better team. Three playoff appearances in ten seasons. It's not the best, but it's much better than the Lions have seen since 1991. As as a Bills fan, I'd kill for one playoff appearance in the last 15 years. <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, sad when you can say, oh, the Jaguars have done better than that. But I yeah, that is really sad. <laughs> you I mean, you guys won t- you guys won two games last year, Eric. Let's call our britches, shall we? I mean, Fair. people wish they could get the four Super Bowls like the Bills did. So four consecutive you know. Super Bowls with that. Re- regardless of what happened in those games, the fact remains that the well, Bills right. are the only mm. team. Mm. The, the, Sorry, I had a something in the air. Bite! I hope you choke on your Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Uh, Damn, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Now Oreos are a death device, okay. (laughs) The the Bills do remain the only team ever to go to four straight, so. I mean, I was four, five, six, and seven when it happened, but still, the point remains. (laughs) I gotta say, this this buy or sell segment really hits well, I think. Hey, I I completely agree. Harry, you you've been bringing it these past couple of weeks here. I, I I'm really getting into this. I like the questions. Very good. Brings up very good debate. Very good discussion. As long as Steven understands them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Hey, Steven. Yes. Get it together. No, uh, I mean, who are you telling to get it together? <laughs> Can I use the one I picked before? Referring to the what? the New York Giants. Yes. Okay, so my guess guys, the New York uh quoting Chris Berman here because I miss him on ESPN the G Man. I had them winning the NFC East eleven and five. Here they are. They're 0 and two. Fans are blaming Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, I'll be Jr. play. Of course we will lose to the Cowboys. What they don't realize is Brandon Marshall averaged 13.4 yards a catch on a crappy Jets team in 2016. Manning is the problem. Has been since 2004. Uh, they, he, he need, they need to... Ben McAdoo needs to start thinking about the next quarterback for the team because Manning's not working well. He has, For right now, though, he has to get the ball to Marshall more because he can't depend all on Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, oh... Okay, I'm not a big Eli guy, but I really don't think he's 100% the problem. He did all he could with, let's just say, a subpar offensive line. And yeah, you can throw it to Brandon Marshall, but last time I checked, completions only work if the receiver catches the ball. (laughs) They would only pay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Let's count the the times that uh, OBJ and Marshall and Ingram drop the pass that is the one that gets you into scoring range or scores for that matter. Let's let's also give the Lions credit for knocking the ball out a couple of times as well. But I, I just think it's not all on Eli. Let's also put some some blame on Ben McAdoo. I don't care if you say Eli Manning is the experienced quarterback here. You are the commander in chief. You see that one second, you call that timeout. 
Mm-hmm. Idiotic coach for me. Just an idiotic coach. And since he's been the coach, they have been not great offensively. They've had to rely on Odell Beckham Jr. on these long passes and all this stuff with a still terrible offensive line. Hello? If you got to do what the Colts did and just draft a bunch of offensive linemen, that's what you do to fix that offensive line. But obviously, they wanted to invest their money somewhere else, knowing Eli Manning is a statue. And hey, you know what? At some point, that goes on the coaching staff in the front office, too. It's not all on Eli here. I have a question. I feel like all these comments that we're making about Ben McAdoo's coaching ability are the same complaints we had about Jim Fossil back when he was the coach of the Giants. Yeah, very fair. I mean, Ben McAdoo, he did have, he has had the one great season so far, and then, well, just about nothing else. Similar with Fossil, the one great year, Super Bowl run, but mediocre outside of that. So, an apt comparison. Eric, get it together. Yeah. Now, you know, I mentioned them to an extent earlier in the show. Now, Harry, as much as we talk about Bills and their and their fan base, you would agree that they have some sense, some general self-awareness, right? Uh, unless you're talking about our behavior inside of the stadium, I would say yes. Okay, outside of the stadium specifically. Yes. Yes. Okay, so if your team wins one game, fans don't go out of their minds and celebrating and doing crazy things, right? No, we do the celebrating and crazy stuff before the games. That's kind of our MO. (laughs) Okay. All right. Fair. But um, Jaguars (laughs) fans, yes. Home opener. Yes, the team was 1-0. But um, if you look at recent history, winning one game does not automatically give you the right to do mayonnaise belly flop contests outside of the stadium before the game. (laughs) We're Jacksonville, Florida. If you haven't noticed, we have a bad reputation as is. Really? This is the kind of stuff that makes newspapers and goes viral in the worst possible way. Jaguars fans, in the name of everything that's holy, get it together. All right, so I'm kind of switching mine up a little bit. Because I was originally going to talk the New Orleans defense, but I feel like we covered them enough a little bit earlier on in the show. So instead, I'm going to focus on another defensive unit. A defensive unit that, while currently sitting at 2-1, and one, is very fortunate to be 2-1. and one. UCLA, get it together. Oh. Wow. 44, 44 points against Texas A&M you guys allowed. And it was based on the amazing, the incredible, the incomparable play of... Josh Rosen in the end of the third quarter and throughout the entirety of the fourth quarter that you guys were able to come back and take down Texas A&M. You guys scored 45 points against Memphis. And 
lost. How are you constantly allowing 40 a game? Look, I get that the Pac-12 basically means we don't play defense. I'm aware of the concept in the Pac-12. But even by those standards, UCLA's defense, get it together. Yeah, I, I really can't argue about that. I mean, we see it in the Pac-12, we see it in the Big 12, but even with that, you could have held Memphis to maybe 30, just 48? That's no, no, not to a basketball school. No, <laughs> I can I can make it even better. I got back from having lunch with my girlfriend on Saturday. The UCLA game is on television. It is 41-31 Memphis. UCLA scores twice to take a 45-41 lead and blows the game on defense. Um, uh, How long before we get the news that UCLA has fired their defensive coordinator? What's your old wonder on this one? Um, about the same time the New Orleans Saints fire theirs. Touche. <laughs> I think good. it's just what you said, though. The Pac-12 is not known for defense. I think they know that they're going to have to get into shootouts at this point. And let's give Memphis some credit. The The quarterback's like a transfer from Tennessee. He's not a, a bad QB. He obviously showed a, he can uh, certainly play, or Memphis doesn't put up those points, so... Yeah, we I said. I don't want to say it's all on UCLA. Yeah, but we said the same thing about Paxton Lynch, and how is that translating so far? I'm not saying that he needs to be great in the NFL. You can be great for your correct team me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't the Memphis quarterback the former Tennessee quarterback Joshua Jackson? No, no, it's uh, I forget his name, but I thought it was Jackson. But okay, anyway, regardless, 45, 44 points to Texas A&M. 48 points to Memphis and you're getting ready to go into a subdivision that has a schedule that sees UCL or USC and Oregon on it, who was apparently back after their down year last year. Oh boy. There is going to be some trouble in the Memorial Coliseum this year for those Bruins. Wait, they play in the Rose bowl. Wait, the Trojans are Memorial. Yes. Yeah. My bad. All right. Either way, two big, two big football venues in the same city. I get confused sometimes. All right. The Rose Bowl's uh, in Pasadena. That's a different city. <laughs> it's outskirts. It's close enough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I hope you feel better, Stephen. Now somebody oh, else committed. So much better. <laughs> okay. You know what else you should feel better about, Stephen? What's that? All aboard the lane train. Oh, you already know where this is going, Eric. Get ready. Yeah. We're both about to roast you for this one. Yeah, I gotta sit and take it. I gotta. I gotta. Oh God, Mark. Rick. So Florida, Florida Atlantic played Bethune Cookman this week. I feel like another team on this show has played Bethune Cookman this season. Oh yeah, yeah. Miami. Yeah. Uh, what, was, what was the final score when Florida Atlant- when when Bethune Cookman played uh, Miami? Eric, forty-eight thirteen. Bethune Cookman scored three separate times. Um, Stephen, do you know what the final score was when Florida Atlantic played Bethune Cookman? I have no idea. To be honest with you, 
45 to nothing, Bethune Cookman did not score against Lane Kiffin. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> I'm Mark. Let's face after Let's hope after all. <laughs> I love you, Mark, but I warned you about this, Mark. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, when Florida Atlantic allows less points against a team than Miami of Florida does, it's probably a problem. I not really. I hope. I hope above hope. See, Mark, I tried to do you a favor. I was gonna make you my dog for giving up points against Bethune Cookman, cause I figure, eh, maybe it ain't so bad after all. In-state school, we're trying to help them out, get them a nice paycheck, but no, Wayne Kiffin. Oh dear Christ! It, I'm hoping Miami plays Florida Atlantic sometime. While Lane Kiffin is still coached there, just just once. So we just once. <laughs> um, I I would tell you what. Take a look at footballschedules.com and maybe you'll get lucky and they'll be on the schedule over there. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna do that because it, 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 if it's not within the next couple of years, then uh, I'm gonna be nursing a Moscato bottle for the rest of the evening. <laughs> okay, well, okay. To be Florida in 2019. To to be fair, listeners, him and that Moscato bottle is probably going to happen anyway. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm just All right, so let's uh let's move on here. Uh, do we have the soundbite ready for this, Sean? Because your idea for the soundbite for this is just fantastic. I I do not have that ready yet. No, give me another week. Well, Sorry, maybe next week. Well, the soundbite for this segment is going to be Sean's little girl saying, Are you serious? And before we get to the actual Are You Serious predictions for this week, I want to give a shout-out real quick to Brandon, who called Cal taking down Old Miss. And I'm going to pat myself on the back, Barry Horowitz-style, for calling San Diego State beating Stanford. A reference that like, only two people got, by the way. <laughs> I, I I don't care. He, he's still Barry Horowitz to me. I'm making my way through Raw 1993 on the network. My loves of football and wrestling are colliding. That's what I'm blaming for this. Um, so Brandon actually agrees with me on this one, so I'm going to go first for the Are You Serious pick of the week. Last week, San Diego State was my upset pick over Stanford. This week, they're the victim of my upset pick as they take on a very good Air Force team who more than held their own against Michigan. They did. Falcons fly, 21-16. Oh. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. For a while, my pick last week, SMU over TCU was looking pretty good, and then... Touchdown TCU just, happened. <laughs> TCU just blew up in the fourth. And then the fourth yeah. quarter happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, is disappointing. As disappointing as the news that somehow Florida International is on Miami's schedule, but now they don't want to play Florida Atlantic. Oh, dear <laughs> God. They, they, they're they're the, scared of the, the lane torture. train. That's... 
One <laughs> one conference USA team is enough per season, Eric. Oh, yeah. Hey, Eric. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? College. Uh, looking around, I do see one that kind of caught my eye under the recent circumstances. Now, call me an ACC homer if you want. Because, admittedly, I pretty much am. <laughs> you know, there's he's... A, there, there's a you know. team... What was that? Sorry. I was just going to say, you know he's a homer because he just said, no! Go ahead, continue. Eh. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Nice. I probably will, though, after this pick. There is a team that has kind of fallen through the floor with these rankings. And there is a team that's had a little... Little bit of a connection to the NFL kind of revealing itself, especially with my hometown team that's well insane, but I live with it anyway. I am gonna go extremely quirky, but extremely doable. Syracuse over LSU. Whoa. <laughs> Again. Either I look like a complete idiot, or I look like Squid Damas. Go big or go home. In Baton Rouge, <laughs> I don't think so. Congratulations. Um, You're an idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, I don't even think we need to play this game to know where that one's going to land. Uh, everybody together on the count of three. One, two, three. Are you serious? I missed it. You did. You're not the only Steve. one that makes bold predictions around here, Steve. That wasn't a bold <laughs> prediction. Yeah. That was. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys. Yeah, seen that, that was. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys have seen um, George of the Jungle with far starring Brendan Fraser and Leslie Mann, but there was one part where the guy fell in elephant poop and all the other guys started laughing. Here's here's this perfect reference: Squidman pick, LSU, uh, Syracuse over LSU. We all throw our heads back and laugh. <laughs> Oh, um, I, I I have no words now. I, I <laughs> Eric has left Harry speechless here, ladies and gentlemen. And and Sean can attest to this. That never happens. That's hard to do. You're <laughs> Good welcome. job, Eric. That's <laughs> not. That's not bold. That's outright stupid. <laughs> Well, hey, you care to place a bet? <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. another bet. Because that worked out so well for me with Florida, Atlantic, and Wisconsin. Yeah, really. Freaking Badgers. I'm seeing two <laughs> that I think we need to keep our eye on, though. So uh, you, can mention yours, you can mention yours when Steven's done. Steven, okay, are ahead. you serious? All right, so Harry thinks that even without DeAndre Francois, Florida State's going to win the ACC. I think that's ridiculous. I think they finished second in their division. I don't even remember if they're in the Coastal or in the uh, the other one, the Atlantic. But uh, NC State has been a threat the past couple of years. I mean, they took Notre Dame to the end and actually beat Notre Dame. They were a hair close to knocking off Clemson for Clemson's second loss of the season. 
Yeah, NC State's going into Tallahassee, and they're pulling off the upset over Florida State this weekend. I think that this one will depend on the play of the new quarterback for Florida State. If the fact that he has had an extra week to prepare for this game, I think benefits Florida State and the fact that they aren't going to be coming off of the Miami of Florida game like they were originally supposed to be because of Hurricane Irma. That benefits them tremendously. Because you would have to think coming off of a dogfight against the Hurricanes going right into a game with the Wolfpack. That had a sleeper game written all over it. Now that they didn't have to prepare for Miami and they get to spend the last, the, the last what basically amounts to 21 days preparing for North Carolina State, I think benefits Florida State significantly. I don't see it happening. I think it'll be a close game, but I don't think Nancy State beats Florida State on Sunday on Saturday. Excuse me. All right, Sean, you said you had a couple you wanted us to keep our eye on. Uh, I'll give you one of the ones that I think you might want to keep your eye on. That um, My good friend Tom John actually gave me. Colorado over Washington. Ooh. That's the one I was going with, but all right. Buffalo, The Buffaloes get the Huskies at home in Boulder. Colorado plays very well at home. And this is a little bit of a revenge game after what happened in the ACC and t- the uh, Pac- excuse me, the Pac-12 title game last year, when Washington decimated Colorado to win the Pac-12 title. Yeah, that's true. I, that's that's what I was calling was Colorado beating. Washington. You said you had two to keep an eye on. So what's oh, the other? One? Plenty actually, but uh, <laughs> I think you need to be careful with Mississippi State pulling a double on Georgia and TCU going into Stillwater and possibly pulling a an upset on Oklahoma State. Ooh, that would be a big one. I See, thought about that one, the TCU-Oklahoma State, but I don't know. That's another one of those 61-58 to 58 games written all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah which either I don't one think... could win. <laughs> Yeah, right. another, another another game I I'm looking at. I don't know if anybody mentioned this yet. <laughs> Iowa Penn State, the big Saturday night primetime game on Absolutely ABC. Absolutely not. No. I love Nathan. Absolutely I love what not. he's done. I love what no. Nathan Stanley has done. And now he's got a big test against the fourth fraternity Lions. My eyes are going to be glued to that game. Yeah, but they barely beat Iowa State. No. <laughs> Iowa State is a huge rival, though. Five and, touchdown passes. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about uh, rivalry games here on the kickoff before, and I understand that here. But I think I think Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley have it in for pretty much everybody in the big in the Big Ten this year after not getting the respect they felt they deserved as the rightful Big Ten champions last year. Oh, then I again, this is an, this is an Iowa team that did knock Michigan from the ranks of the unbeaten last year, though. That is right. I think we can all agree on one thing. Oklahoma is going to go whoop them some Baylor like everybody else. Does. Hey, oh, yes. That is going to be a very ugly game. Um, I wonder what the record for most points allowed by Baylor in a game is because Baker Mayfield may put it up in the first half on this Baylor team. Yeah, if I'm Baylor, I'm thinking, look, we're not going to win with the way we've been playing 
Let's hold Oklahoma to under 70, please. Just, just do that. <laughs> and for the record, I did not think Duke beating Baylor was an upset. I feel like Duke is actually going to be a very good team this year. They're 3-0, and and they have three very good wins to show for it, including the Big 12's Baylor and the Big 10's Northwestern on their schedule already. Nah, but let's... Well, let's see what they do in the ACC. Yeah, Agreed. let's get ready for next week when you get North the rematch of the uh, of the uh, that game that Eric doesn't like to talk about. Miami going into Durham and playing Duke next week. Oh, oh boy, Mark, Mark, don't screw <laughs> around. Do not screw this up, Mark. Okay, no. I, I somehow doubt that Mark Rick listens to us, but hey, if he does, awesome. That would be something. <laughs> Sean, knows, Sean knows when I get into these moods, okay? Do not have a first name that's only one syllable. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, in that case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing to my coach. Jim, Jim beat Kentucky. Oh, no, no, I don't think Eric Kentucky has never beaten Florida. Uh, like, it is the uh, longest. It is the longest streak in NCAA history at twenty-eight yeah. games right now. Yeah. Exactly. It, we we said it, that for the longest time. We said the same thing about Navy and Notre Dame, and then eventually, look what happened. I'm with Harry. Well, actually, the longest streak actually just fell last season. Uh, Temple and Penn State. It was twenty-nine. Before the Owls, which is still a stupid name for a college team, defeated the Nittany Lions. God. All right, so we we move over to the game that the big boys play, the National Football. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys go first here because I have to find Brandon's pick again. I, I have it. I had it written down, but I can't find it, so I have to find it. I just want to say, look at the adjective you're using, play. But. We're not here to play. Yes, I'm aware, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I got where you were going with that. Anyways, hey, uh, since since Eric went first in college, Stephen, we'll let you go first here. What's your NFL upset for the week, Stephen? Well, not a lot of people are going to see this as an upset, but uh, I do. Tennessee over Seattle. I mean, the Seahawks' offensive line is horrible. I mean, I've seen it this bad since. Oh, well, I've never seen it this bad. Let's just let's be clear about that. And <laughs> Russell Wilson's a great quarterback and all, but the, the the Titans' defense gets to him. Tennessee is pulling off this upset win over Seattle in Nashville. I think this would be a much bigger upset if this game were in Seattle. But at the same time, I don't necessarily know that I think this is an upset. I think this is a Tennessee team with a ton of potential and a ton of weapons, as Eric found out firsthand this past Sunday. (laughs) 37. 37. Almost in a row! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I've I've picked on Eric enough for the show. Let's let him get his NFL Are You Serious off his chest. Eric, are you serious? NFL edition. I mean... And for that one, Tennessee is a three-point favorite. Well, uh, in, fairness, in fairness, home is worth three and a half, so. Yeah, true. I mean, 
Oh, there is one that we kind of teased this already. And first of all, why the Ravens are only a four-point favorite in the London game astounds me. Because Jacksonville's truly at home. That's why. Yeah, and we stink there, too. What's your point? (laughs) I'm I'm just saying, they have a better shot in London than they do in Jacksonville. So. And by, truth. 20, and by 2022, they will be the London Jaguars. Uh, well, well, hey, at least I would have more of a reason to go to Wembley and actually do something. Although Montana is a lot closer of a trip than anyways. Oh, my God. You and Montana, man. Look, <laughs> I have reasons. That's all I'm going to say. Just Go, Grizz. Anywho, what's your pick? My pick in this one, I te- I teased about it to see if they're really contenders. I'm as weird as it sounds. I'm kind of liking Detroit at home over Atlanta. You just took Brandon's pick. Oh crap! Well, <laughs> that's okay. That's no. Brandon's get it together with the Giants, so it's it's fine. Brandon's not here to defend himself. You're allowed it, Eric. By all means, expand <laughs> wish too. If I could just, if I could send him some emergency to make sure that he feels better, that should make up for it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I'm fully expecting to catch flack for this one. Not as bad as Eric picking Syracuse over LSU. <laughs> if that happens, I want Sean to just play this whole bit just to throw it at everybody's face. <laughs> Yeah, Sean, you have my you have my permission as the host of the show that if Syracuse beats LSU, we open next week's show with that clip of him saying it was going to happen. Oh, it was already going to happen. If Syracuse wins, that clip is getting played just because it's so bad. We all laugh at him, and then a zero and two team is taking on a two and zero team on the road. New Orleans is going to Carolina and beating the Panthers. I can't. I can see that. I can see that happening. Yeah. Losing Greg Olson, having a hobbled Cam Newton, and not knowing what you're going to get from the first real playing time that Christian McCaffrey's probably going to see this season. Carolina while facing a admittedly down New Orleans defense, has to deal with all of the weapons that New Orleans has that, frankly, Buffalo doesn't. I would also argue you're going to Bank of America Stadium, which means you're going away from the Dome. They traditionally play horribly away from New Orleans, so... But at the same time, this is a Carolina defense that just played LaShawn McCoy and, well, not a whole lot else in Buffalo and now has to prepare for Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson-ish, Michael Thomas, and Kobe Fleener. I think they'll be all right. Uh, Ah, New Orleans. Now we talk about divisional games, too, so... Yeah. New Orleans New Orleans 3121. Mm. Mm. Okay. 
That's Carolina will struggle to get to that 21, though. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, do we have anything else to touch on before we call it a night here? I'm good. I'm good. I got nothing. I, I say be careful with uh, that Sunday night game. Washington could give Oakland a go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all said the same thing. Uh, Oakland's defense will be asking Kirk Cousins how he likes it now. <laughs> the Oakland no, defense I, that I, can't I, stop anyone? Sure. And, and the answer to Kirk Cousins' question is Oakland's defense all up in his grill piece. <laughs> I, I would just, if I'm Khalil Mack and I get a sack on him, I don't even do a dance. I just stand over him yelling, you like that? You like that? <laughs> well, given the fact that I have Khalil Mack as my individual defensive player in one of my fantasy football leagues, I would love for him to sack Kirk Cousins. That's all I'm that going to say. And before we get out of here, I have to congratulate our producer for defeating me in fantasy football this past weekend. All in a day's work. (laughs) Congratulations on winning the one that didn't matter, Sean. Because the one that did gave me the title last year. Here's to you. I love that you're living off last year still. Well, I'm 0-2 this year, so i got to have something, right? Well, I mean, think about it. That's the one title that he can appreciate over the past decade or so. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I can't you gotta say anything. Him that one, Sean. Oh. Okay, when you guys get to a Super Bowl, you can talk smack, Eric. Fair? Silence has Fair. happened. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I-, I can't For- even. You got me on that one. All right, so if you want to listen to more of me, and I would hope that you would, you can check out myself and Patrick Ketza this Sunday night here as we have Woo Reacts to the No Mercy pay-per-view. In addition, keep an eye out on W2Mnet.com for the College Football Top 25, as well as our preview article for No Mercy this Sunday as well. Eric, where can they find you out here on the W2M Network? Oh, when I'm not on Twitter, at Squid Sportshead, you can find me on Point of Viewer. Uh, You might expect a new episode this Friday. A little bit of a backlog working through on that one. When I'm not there, football to the max, soccer to the max will be be coming up when we will be recapping the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I have a whole bunch of different places. Once the real season gets going again, you can also find myself and Steven on This Week in the AFL. As I understand it, Steven, your show just returned this week as well. That's right. You can check out the SE show every week here on W2Net.com. Very glad to be back. We had a good show last night. Paul Jackie Witz at the Toronto Times and bloggingbigblue.com joined the show. Be sure to check that out. It's all over Facebook, on my Twitter, at RankFanatic2. It's on W2N Network's Twitter. At WTM Network and on Twitter at the SCU Show. Be sure to go check it out. The SCU Show every week. WTM.com. Sean, I'm not even going to make you plug it yourself. I'm going to do it for you. Make sure you check out last night's <laughs> last night being Tuesday slash mon- late Monday into Tuesday. Check out the most recent edition of Wrestling to the Max. They have a fantastic tribute to arguably 
the greatest non-wrestling personality in professional wrestling history as we lost the great Bobby the Brain Heenan over the weekend. So make sure you guys check out the Wrestling to the Max tribute to Bobby Heenan from this past Monday. Yeah, uh, for sure. That was uh, one of the best things we've we've gotten to do uh, in a long time. It was very fun and always – and very tragic as well, having to remember uh, a life. But um, also, you know, Eric and I did – I thought I did a – Damn good job uh, recapping week two and also that that Monday night game and we'll be doing that for Thursday night as well tomorrow. So uh, you know you get the fun and laughs on this show. You get the hardcore uh, big analysis on our show. So if you like if you like delving deep, we try to do that and then you can just have fun and laughs here and uh, see how many predictions we get wrong and right. <laughs> We've kind of discussed this before. Um, you guys are more of like the NFL insiders on your show. We're more of like part in the interruption over here. <laughs> that makes sense. We are. And now that we're going to get sued by ESPN, I think I'm going to go ahead and call it a show. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> they, they either sue us or they hire us. It's equally likely at this point. Um, they got some money well, in the coffers now after releasing all those people. So, well, as long as I don't have to work with Jamel Hill, we're cool. All right, moving oh, on. Oh, oh boy. For our executive producer and the man behind the W2M Network, Sean Garmer. For our traditional producer and filling in this week for Brandon Biska, being Eric Watkins. My co-host Stephen Er the Third. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff, episode four. You've been listening to the W2M Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.